Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Welcome, everyone, to the latest edition of March Madness 365. I'm your host, Andy Katz, from NCAA.com and March Madness. On this edition of our show, I'm going to be joined by Texas Tech sophomore guard Kyler Edwards. Uh, Look, I am uh, not going to be jumping onto this bus. I am back on the bus as I was toward the end of last season, even though I didn't pick the Red Raiders much. That's okay. They kind of played off of that, and that's great. Um, They got to the national championship game and ended up losing in overtime to Virginia in an epic final. Uh, The Red Raiders went to the Bahamas. We're going to talk to Kyler. We're going to try to do this more and more. I have more players. Now the school's back in session at most schools around the country. Uh, Look, they got to find a replacement for Jared Culver uh, on the wing, Matt Mooney, a sharpshooter uh, on the wing as well, Tariq Owens, a rim protector. So we'll talk to Kyler all about that. This past week, the Big Ten, I'm segueing here, a little hard segue. Uh, We're going to talk to Mike DeCourcy about this. They released their conference schedule and what's here is what's interesting the big 10 two years ago started the schedule in december last year wrapped it around in the 20 game schedule well two years two years ago excuse me they had to push it into december because of the uh conference tournament being a week earlier in in march to get the to get madison square art in new york so that's why they played games in early December two years ago. That was to squeeze that in. Um, last year, because of the 20-game schedule, they wrapped around conference games around the football championship weekend. This year, according to the Big Ten, what they wanted to do was spread it out more. Still going to play two games in December, but for a number of reasons, and this makes a lot of sense. I love when things make sense. They wanted to find ways to alleviate the compression of that schedule where you've got a tournament of some sort. Really, it's back-to-back-back. You have Gavit Games in mid-November. Then you have a tournament, likely, you know, one of the three- or four-game tournaments. Then you've got the ACC Big Ten Challenge. Then you have the Big Ten. And in some cases, like this year, Indiana's playing UConn in the Jimmy V., uh, you've got some good non-conference single games amid all that. So they wanted to spread out the two games instead of back-to-back, like a Thursday, Saturday, Friday, Sunday, Sunday Mon- uh, Saturday, Monday, or something like that. So it's spreading out from December 6th to December 18th. And we'll talk to Mike about this as well. But I think this is the right idea. Because if you go 0-2 right off the bat, it can be a little demoralizing. You're not going to play maybe another big-time game until first weekend in January. This way, you know, things are spread out. You could still go 0-2, um, but you could slide in a game in between to maybe get some confidence, or you're going to have time to get a game on the back end uh, to build some confidence, a high-profile game potentially. So I'm sure a lot of these teams did that. Uh, and I know, like, 
you know, with uh, Ohio State, they're playing one of those kind of games later. So there's plenty of opportunities. Seton Hall is taking on Maryland later in December. So there's going to be, uh, excuse me, Maryland's taking on Seton Hall uh, in our Big Ten discussion later in December, which is going to be a big-time game for Maryland. All right, so my five most important Big Ten games in December. I'm going to start this list thing every week here. We started last week. I'm going to tell you why. Illinois at Maryland on December 7th. I've got Illinois as a top 25 team, a team that's going to go to the NCAA tournament. But they got to make a good impression early. This would be that. Okay? You get a win at Maryland, and they had a great game last year with them that uh, at Illinois. So this would be a huge opportunity for Illinois if they could steal one like this. Number two on my list, Penn State at Ohio State. Difficult road game for Penn State, but they've won there before. Buzzer beater a couple years ago. Uh, but also... It's a team that they've had success with under Pat Chambers. And once again, you get a road game like that for Penn State, huge, huge. And for Ohio State and for Maryland, home wins like that will be big because both, I think, Illinois and Penn State will be very good. Number three, back to Illinois. So their second game is on December 11th. They're hosting Michigan. So if they lose to Maryland on the 7th, you need to get that split home Michigan. Two huge early games for Illinois you start out 2-0 with being Maryland and Michigan. That's monstrous for Illinois. You go 1-1, I still think you're doing pretty well. Number four on my list, back to Maryland and Penn State. Maryland at Penn State on December 10th. So let's see what happens with Illinois and Maryland on the 7th. Let's say Maryland wins that. You know, they're ch- you're going to be chasing Michigan State. Now you're going to Penn State. Penn State, a team that I think can go to the NCAA tournament. Penn State would need that Maryland win, especially if they don't get the Ohio State win. So that's gonna that game is gonna be just huge. The Maryland and Penn State game on December tenth for both schools. After on the seventh, Maryland hosting Illinois and Penn State at Ohio State. And my number five is Iowa at Michigan on December sixth. Same deal for Iowa. Their other game, by the way, is they're gonna host Minnesota. A game I think they should win and will. Um, but if they could steal one at Michigan, that would be huge for the Hawkeyes. For Michigan, if you were to lose at Illinois, you need that home win over Iowa. So a lot at stake, I think, for the race, for even though you got 20 games, it's not the end of the world, but at the same time, momentum, momentum, momentum. And these are going to be key games against teams that are going to be right with them for the most part for bids, for seeding in the Big Ten. So love this early December games in the Big Ten. That's my top five most important Big Ten games in December. All right, let's start out with Texas Tech. They play for the national championships. That's where we get to start with Kyler Edwards. And now joining me here on March Madness 365, Kyler Edwards from Texas Tech, fresh off a trip to the Bahamas. And the Red Raiders, the timing of this trip was perfect after playing in the national championship game, losing overtime to Virginia in an epic final last April in Minneapolis. All right, Kyler, uh, what did you learn the most about your team on this trip to the Bahamas? Uh, I learned a lot about each individual guy. You know, um, we have so many so many great individual players. I mean, I just think we have to come together as one. So that's why I think the Bahamas trip was, was good for us. And um, I think our team is very explosive. You know, we have, we have a lot of pieces. 
anybody can go any night. So help me out. I wasn't there. You were. Uh, I'm not going to be late on the bandwagon anymore. I've got Texas Tech. I think they're going to be a consistent top 15 team. I think you're going to be right there with Kansas. Uh, Last year, you won it with K-State. I think you're right there this year with them to potentially win it again. Uh, But you got to replace, obviously, Jared Culver, uh, someone like Matt Mooney, who ended up being a huge, huge piece of that run to the national championship game. Um, And there are other players, obviously, who were big contributors. What did you see? Because I think you're going to be one of the leaders here. What did you see in terms of players who can fill some of those those voids? Um, we have a lot of good pieces, like good freshmen. Like we have seven of them coming in. Well, they're already here pretty much. So you know, and they're they're, they're looking like like they're like already seasoned. Like it's, it's it's crazy. Like I'm trying to give them a couple of advice and like how to play, but then um, but then overall they're they're like they're pretty good. Well, one of them, help me out on the pronunciation here. Is it Jameis? Jamias. So, Jamias. Jamias Ramsey. He had a great game, I think, in your last game in the Bahamas. Um, he's a 6'4 freshman, so he'll be on the wing with you. Uh, mm-hmm. I know he's one of those guys you're talking about. What impressed you the most about him? Um, his ability to score off the dribble, you know, in fast break. He's a very explosive player. So, I mean, like, he can, he can do whatever he wants, you know, when he puts his mind to it. Davidi Moretti, uh, he's going to be one of the leaders, like with you. Right. How have you seen him take on that kind of leadership role? Um, in practice, it starts like with him, you know, getting everybody in the huddle, and like either him or me talking to everybody, getting everybody mind ready to practice, and then like, you know, just holding everybody accountable. He's he's getting better at that and being more vocal. So I think it starts like with me and him. And Chris Clark is another one of those newcomers, although he's a transfer from Virginia Tech, a uh, a, a grad transfer. Uh, a lot of expectation on him. What would you what'd you see out of Chris? Oh, he's a great competitor. I mean, I think he wants to win like everybody does. And uh, he brings a complete game. He can pretty much do everything. But most mostly impressive about him is his passing. His passing is pretty great. Another one of the transfers, TJ Holyfield from uh, Stephen F. Austin, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, another player that's coming in as a as a transfer. Uh, how will he impact this team? Uh, he'll pack, impact this team a lot because um, he's not a, a like a original big man. So I mean, I mean, I think that would be hard for anybody to guard him, like to come out there in the perimeter because he can do pretty much everything and shoot. He can really shoot the ball. So Tariq Owens was a major factor last season as a rim protector. Uh, who can fill that void? Oh, uh, I think Tariq Smith. Same Tariq. I mean, I think they pretty much the same player. It's just, um, it's just Tariq's Tariq learning and like getting the film room, studying how Tariq, how Tariq going from last year, um, block shots and uh, really just connecting with him and seeing how he did things. Yeah, that's Tariq, T-A-R-I-Q. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. He's gone, but then you've got Tyreek. T Y R E E K Tyreek Smith, yeah, uh, who'll be coming in as a freshman at six seven. So uh, another good rim protector. Um, how about yourself? As I said, I, I think you have the opportunity to be a breakout player um, to take that next step. This is me from the outside. Tell me how you're going to do it. Uh, well, it started when we first got back. You know, I've been working all summer. I think I've been working the hardest. I mean, out of anybody, but. You know, um, I've been trying like, you know, put myself in situations like a Jared situation, 
you know, how he handled stuff last year. You know, I connected with him a little bit. What did he tell you? Oh, he just told me to um, get in the film room a lot, just, just be in the gym, you know, and, and uh, work on different stuff, like, because you, can, you can't, like, really, like, imagine what you're going to be and just expect the unexpected. So he just wanted me to, like, just be confident and take over the role. Kyler, well, what if, you know, I mean, this is only your second year, but last year – uh, even though the year before Texas Tech had sort of surprised everyone and made a deep run in the NCAA tournament to the to, to that Elite Eight, um, there still were some doubters early, like myself. And then and then you guys get to all the way to the national championship game. You share the Big Twelve with K State, and now there's an expectation. I mean, the fact that in the SEC Big Twelve, uh, it was a no brainer to have Kentucky be the team that plays at Texas Tech which, by the way, is the same week, if you haven't seen the schedule, uh, later the next Saturday you're at Kansas, so it's an unbelievable week of basketball for Texas Tech, uh, back-to-back playing Kentucky and Kansas. But the fact that we've gotten to the point now where we're like, oh, yeah, we want to see Texas Tech, Kentucky, and Texas Tech, Louisville, and the Jimmy V in New York. It's, I mean, it's like on warp speed that suddenly Texas Tech has entered the acceptance of a national program uh, where – you know, you want to see them on television. They want to be a draw. What's it like on the ground there where it has changed? The national perception has changed about Texas Tech to where now we're like, okay, this is a program that we expect to be there, not just one that's sort of under the radar. Uh, I think we just got to, like, like players now got to give thanks to, like, the former players because, like, they, like, really set it, set it up for us, you know, to be great and be ranked in the preseason or whatever. So I think we just got to thank them for all they did. Because, like, without them doing all, going to the eight and us last year going to the Final Four, I don't think I don't think we'll be in, like, the conversation that we are right now. All right, so if we're going to talk later in the season and Texas Tech is in the mix again, what has to happen for this group to make sure they make another deep run? Um, Really just sticking together, you know, and – uh, creating a bond that like we had last year that's because we had a, a very good bond last year so all right kyler i appreciate it i know i'll see you on the uh, fireside chat i'm sure at some point um <laughs> but as always thank you and uh, i'm on the bandwagon now you don't have to uh, i'm not just you know i'm not someone who came on late now now i'm on for good yes sir all right <laughs> thanks kyler appreciate it and now joining me here on March Madness 365, Georgia Tech head coach Josh Pastor. Uh, the Yellow Jackets just went 4-0 on their trip to Spain. And so that, among a number of topics, I want to delve deeper in here with Josh. Uh, this is a team that uh, you and I have talked in the offseason. If there was a time things were going to start to move up and where, you know, I think outside of the maybe the top three in the ACC this season, it's going to be wide open. Uh, a team like Notre Dame could, which finished last last year in the in the ACC due to injuries, I think they could definitely be a tournament team. Uh, your team is another one of those teams that I think could make that climb up into that top seven or eight. Um, I think you share my opinion. Uh, so, Josh, let's first assess what happened on this trip. Uh, what did you learn about your squad? Well, first of all, first of all, Andy, thanks for having me on. Let me just say this. Uh, we were 4-0. I, I, I'm wondering, can I somehow add that to my coaching career total record? I don't know if they'll... Your international the coaching career record. <laughs> there you go. There you go. 4-0 and international coaching record. Um, uh, but no, this was it was a great trip. And, and before I even really get into the trip, 
uh, I, I just to hit on your point about the ACC about it being wide open. You know, I've had some different people in summer recruiting. You know, sitting next to guys. You know, talking to me about, hey, it seems like the ACC with the amount of pros that were lost in the NBA draft that it's going to be open this year. And I've told everybody, this league is absolutely incredible. I mean, it is just. It is the best basketball league in all of college basketball. I mean, from top to bottom, the coaches, the players, the amount of first round draft picks every single year, it's it's just it's off the charts. And so um, you could think that going into a year is going to be wide open. But when you're in a league like this, when you have 15 high level teams with just incredible coaching and first round draft picks all over the place. You just, you know, it's just an, it's just a hard league. It's an awesome league, uh, but that's why every single game is just every possession is, is, is like a crunch time type of deal. And you just know it is you're there. And now the league's going into 20 games. And, and that's why I thought this Spain trip, for Sandy was really beneficial. Um, uh, yes, the camaraderie was really good for us. We got to spend all the time together having, um, you know, meals together and, you know, meeting new people and learning a different culture and just uh, doing all those types of things uh, together uh, was, was, was powerful and impactful that will make you know, memories of a lifetime, you know, way beyond the the time they're at Georgia Tech. And and on top of that, yes, you get the 10 practices, but you get experiences in games to play some different people that maybe didn't play as many minutes in the past. And or you get to try some things, Andy, that you want to work on, whether it's offensively or defensively, that you might not have the opportunity to do so during the regular season to see what works and doesn't work. So it was a really positive experience. I really like our team. I like our group. We are better this year than we've been in the past. Part of just the reason of being older, just being older. We're more, you know, we're more experienced. You know, we've got the majority of our guys back. And the great thing is our team, our core nucleus is back for these next two years. It's not only this year, but the following year. And I've said it, the best way for us to move the needle, climb the ladder, keep moving forward in the ACC is we've got to get old and we've got to stay old. And um, this yeah, Mike Brand year coming up, hopes that many yeah, years Mike ago, said that many times. Yeah, so yeah. that's what we're trying to model that for as we move forward. So the backcourt tandem, Jose Alvarado and Michael DeVoe. Uh, Alvarado certainly played well. Uh, I'm looking here at your last game for sure, but that's some of the experience you're talking about. Uh, how much will that be your strength going forward? Well, you know, look, Andy, you've got to have great guard play in, in college basketball, let alone just the ACC, but in college basketball basketball alone. And so with Michael DeVoe and, and Jose Alvarado, those two together, they, the amount of minutes they've played, they've played together. So we've got those two together, not only for this upcoming season, but for the year after. Because uh, so, you know, they played so many, many minutes together this, this last season. It's going to pay off for us. Um, you know, one of the things that you're, you know, when you're when you're trying to build and you lose a guy like a Josh Okoge unexpectedly to the NBA draft, um, not planning on it, you know, as much as that hurts you, as it did last season, you know, you're, you, to replace a 20-point game score in the late May is not happening. Um, uh, you know, it, it gives a lot of guys playing time opportunities that probably weren't ready to be just thrust into the spotlight right away um, and just saying, hey, here you go, you know, just we're throwing to, to the fire and you got to figure it out. And one of those guys was Michael DeVoe. I mean, he was thrown right in the fire and he had to figure it out. And those experiences are going to help him. And he and Jose Alvarado together 
will help us have a better backcourt and a more experienced backcourt. And as you know, winning games in college basketball in the ACC, so much of it is is guard play. A huge key for us, probably our biggest opponent this year is just going to be our health, Andy. We've got to stay healthy. That's a big thing. You know, just just keeping healthy. Our main core guys got to stay healthy in that. Uh, I thought another kid that played really well on the trip for us was Jordan Usher. Jordan Usher, a transfer from USC, he won't be eligible until December 18th. Uh, so he'll miss the first few games, but he will be eligible mid-year. Uh, he had a really good foreign trip for us as well, too. So excited to get him once he's able to join us in, in, in December. Josh, you got a crazy schedule. And you schedule, it feels like, for a team that you know, will have a chance. You have no control. Obviously, you start the season in the ACC. Everyone's doing that, but Duke, but they have the Champions Classics. You're going to be at NC State, really in large part for the ACC Network. You got the rivalry game against Georgia, which now is one of the best players in the country, Anthony Edwards. You got Arkansas coming to McCamish. You know, we'll see what Nebraska's like, but that's a home game you're going to probably need to win. Uh, you got at Kentucky. So you're going back to play against your mentor, John Calipari. Uh, they're going to be a top five team. And you're going to be in the Diamond Head Classic in late December, right before the ACC, uh, where, you know, you obviously got a chance to pick up some potential wins. In building this schedule, uh, against quality teams, um, was it built toward you know giving yourself a chance so it's not all relying on the ACC? Well, a few things, Andy. One is uh, you know when you're when you go to twenty ACC games and you're you're only allowed to play you know the max number is thirty one regular season games per NCAA rules. So twenty games an ACC competition. We are we're obviously playing Georgia. That's twenty one. You're in the ACC Big Ten Challenge. <laughs> that we're playing Nebraska. That's twenty two. You know, we've got um, uh, uh, Arkansas was returning. That's 23. I says, you know, we only have eight more games to schedule. I was like, what the heck? Might as well just basically do all high major opponents the rest of the way through. So, you know, you're at Kentucky and uh, you're in the diamond head. And I mean, like you got, you know, like Elon and Bethune Cookman and Ball State as, as home games as well, too. I mean, we just got it in just in, I think, one of the toughest, if not the toughest, non-conference strength of schedule in the entire country. So I said all that. That was one thinking. The second thinking is, OK, if we're going to there's three ways you're in. You're either you're safely in, which I I, I, I pray to the basketball gods that we can be safely in the NCAA tournament at some point. That's what we want. The second option is you're on the bubble coming in that last weekend, or the third option is you're not in. So if we're not in, if we're not in the first option, if we're in that second option there, you don't want to be in that third option. But if you're in that second, you're on that bubble. The committee, you know, I, I, I was checking with Dan Gavitt. I was checking with Kevin White, who's the athletic director at Duke, who's the chair for the basketball committee. What are they looking at? And it's going to be about opponents that you play in your control in non-conference. And they might say like the Nebraska game is the ACC big 10 challenge. That's, 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 that is not something you went out and scheduled. That was, you had a play. So playing like a Georgia, playing an Arkansas, going into diamond head, playing at Kentucky saying, okay, you're going on your own. You're choosing to play those games. So if we're in a situation where we are in the bubble, um, again, I pray that we're safely in and not in the third option of not being in, but if you're in that bubble there, you want them to go back to say, listen, these guys went out and played people. And hopefully that gives you the benefit of the doubt to, to help you move the needle, move forward and be on the right side of the bubble. So is the Kentucky game a one-way or what, what kind of deal is that? No, it's a two-way. They're returning it the next year. They're coming back to Atlanta. Okay. Um, you know, and, you know, of course, I talked to Coach Calipari about it. And, 
and, and we talked and, and uh, he's, and, you know, and, and, you know, coach Cal so Atlanta meaning your building or where the Hawks play, they're coming back to the, where the Hawks play. And we talked on that and we just thought it was a great opportunity because we wanted to make sure that one, we had an opportunity to, to get it a home and home, but also uh, the way it's set up here, it's going to still be considered a home game for us. Uh, we'll be able to use it with all our season ticket package. And it's going to be in a time uh, on in the 20 uh, season, uh, 2021 season, where it's going to be uh, a featured game. So, so we're really excited about that, but more than that, that's a year away. It's for this year. We're at Kentucky. Yes. We know how good they're going to be, uh, but we got a chance. I mean, look, listen, like I always say, everyone puts their shorts on the same way uh, all throughout the country and, and they're tied their shoes the same way. So, uh, you know, you go in there and you have a great opportunity to, to, to have anything, but the game is only upside. And if you can find a way to, to pull out a victory, which is very hard to do, but you do, uh, it can it can change a lot of uh, things for your season. Hey, Josh, before I let you go, um, you grew up around grassroots basketball. Your dad, Hal Passner. Uh, Houston Hoops uh, was his uh, sort of baby. And so uh, you grew up around it. Uh, the NABC is having an executive board meeting later this week. They actually solicited input from the coaches. You went through it this, um, this summer. You told me that you thought like the Georgia High School event in June uh, was put on very well among many other states. What is going to be your suggestion uh, in terms of tweaking what we know is going to be sort of the new normal going forward? Well, let me just say this. I, I thought the, the NCAA basketball academies in, in late July, I thought they were excellent. They were excellent. Very well ran. Um, you know, I know there's been things of negative stuff about them. I'm on the other side. I, I thought they were very, you know, they were run at a very high level. Um, uh, they were organized. Uh, there was only positives in my view. Now, the start of the thing, though, is how do we get some of the better players there, especially for, you know, for like a school like a Georgia Tech who's, you know, recruiting at, a, at, at the high major level. So um, I think that would be the thing. And I've recommended, do you maybe look at moving those academies, which I, again, high, high level. Moving them to June. Great. Maybe do you move them to June or do you move them into the July period where Peach Jam you know, where Peach Jam, where the Adidas championships and the Under Armour championships are all at and move that week for the live week later in July. Um, and I, would that be able to get more kids, uh, uh, you know, there at those academies? Because I think those kids need to be at the academies. I think it was great. Like I said, very well run, organized, great coaches. They had the coaching and the energy by the coaches. Um, but I also think there's a great thing for, for summer basketball as well, too, and non-scholastic. And so I think if you can reverse the weeks, I think that would be a great thing because I think then kids would, would attend both and not feel not to attend the, the academy one. So I really like the model. You know, again, you know me well enough, Andy. I'm always kind of glasses overflowing anyway. So we're, we're, I'm, I'm in support of it. And, uh, but whatever the leadership determines to do, we'll, we'll be on board. Hey, last thing, Josh. You're going into the season with a lot of optimism. I really have felt this past season we had a great chance to get to the tournament if we didn't lose a Kogi to the draft. I thought we were really set up. So I think those guys getting those minutes was was really good for us, and it's going to bode well for us going into this season. And And I really believe we're moving in the right direction. Look, I'm, I do not take it for granted for one second, Andy, that that you have the opportunity to – uh, to that I have the opportunity to be a coach in the ACC and and um, uh, you know I mean I would give a growing up I would give a right left arm 
you know, my, my right and left leg to be able to coach in the ACC. And, and, and so I don't take that for granted. I know how great this league is. It's an honor, privilege, uh, night in, night out to be able to coach in it the, just the, all throughout. And so we're looking forward to it. And I think our team is going to be locked in and I, we're, we're continuing to, to, to move the needle the right way. Now you got to go get wins on the court. Part of us is going to have to stay healthy. That's going to be a get, big key for us, but, uh, uh, we're, um, we're, we're moving forward and looking forward to it and, and excited to get going. And we open up, as you mentioned, November 5th, an ACC game on the road on the ACC network uh, playing North Carolina State. Great news. And obviously, we look forward to seeing how Georgia Tech develops here over the next uh, six weeks as we get closer and closer to the season. I know I will see you at ACC Media, Media Day, which will come sooner than we, than we think here in early October. Yep, they'll be here before you know it, and uh, I'm looking forward to that and, and talking some great hoops and uh, uh, ready to uh, have a great season uh, this upcoming season. Thanks, Josh. Okay, thanks, Andy. And up next here on March Madness 365, I'll be joined by my good friend Mike DeCourcy from the Sporting News and the Big Ten Network. We will talk about the new Big Ten December scheduling, a little more spread out. Also, what he thinks of our Team of the Decade chase to the final. We're now in the Elite Eight in our March Madness Team of the Decade. And we'll also discuss how he's thinking about who will be his preseason number one for the Sporting News. That's all coming up next with Mike DeCourcy. And now joining me here on March Madness 365, Mike DeCourcy, my good friend who uh, works for the Sporting News and has for decades, as well as a colleague at the Big Ten Network. And Mike, let's deal with the Big Ten because they just released their conference schedule uh, last week. And it's a little different this year in that they're opening the season over two weekends instead of just one. Uh, I know they got a lot of mouths to feed in terms of the Big Ten Network, uh, Fox, FS1, ESPN, CBS. I mean, a lot of networks. So a lot of people want a piece of that programming in the 20-game schedule. But last year or last two years, you know, it was that one weekend uh, in December, one, two, couple years ago, it was late December. Then last year, it was around the Big Ten football championship game, one weekend, multiple games. Now it's going to start on Friday, December 6th with Iowa at Michigan. And the Big Ten conference games will actually extend all the way until Wednesday, December 18th, Michigan State at Northwestern. Uh, so that's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, nine dates over December where we're going to have Big Ten conference games. What do you think? Well, I, you know, I think it's, first of all, I, I will say that, um, for lack of a better term, as a fan, um, that first weekend that they, uh, where the, the, they, which they did the last two years, which was basically compressed into five days, had almost sort of a Big Ten tournament kind of feel. It was really cool. But I do think it created a lot of stress on the coaches especially coming off of uh, the ACC Big Ten Challenge and for many of them also some significant challenges in terms of multi-team events, whether it's Maui or, uh, or the Battle for Atlantis or whatever. So that's a lot of really high-end competition. They were compressing into a very short period of time. And I, th- I think that was problematic for the, for the coaches and the programs. So stretching it out like this so it's not all so compacted, so compressed, so much high-end competition in such a short period of time 
when you're really still just building your team. It, it, those, those first two games, uh, they they are only two games out of a 20-game schedule. So you're talking about 10% of the schedule. But those sit on your record for a month and maybe say a lot about where you're going to go in your regular season. And so to have the opportunity to breathe into those games instead of having them just pound you in the face so quickly, I think is a lot more advantageous for the programs involved. Yeah, I mean, let's take Northwestern, for example. Uh, a team that obviously is retooling, rebuilding, whatever we want to say, uh, probably going to be projected toward the bottom. You know, if they were to play, I'm looking at their their first two games, okay? They start Sunday, December 8th at Purdue, and then they host Michigan State December 18th. Two of the top probably four or five teams in the league this season. If that was a Thursday, Saturday, Friday, Sunday, uh, there's a good chance they're going 0-2, and they're just getting, you know, confidence potentially crushed. Whereas in this scenario, uh, they still could go on to, but now they have some chance, and I haven't seen their full schedule, but, you know, you'd have a chance to schedule within that 10-day period another potential win so that you can not ride, uh, you know, that roller coaster as much so that you can at least get some confidence uh, before you go back into that Big Ten schedule and, and host a, a Michigan State in late December. Yeah, I, 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 that's a great example. It, 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 it really would be a lot of a burden on them. And again, I, I, uh, you, you have the, the ACC Big Ten challenge on top of that. You're looking at three high major big time games in a row that you have to cope with. And that's that that really was difficult for the programs involved. And so uh, it, it didn't have a, an adverse impact on the league as a whole in the last two years. You had a team make the championship game in 2018. And of course, uh, Michigan State makes the final four in 2019. Uh, you got a significant number of bids in 2019. So I, I don't think it impacted the the conference adversely to have that compression but I do think that it may be impacted particular programs, particular coaches, particular players uh, significantly. And, and, and I, I, would, I would imagine that this will be a much more amenable schedule for all 14 coaches, all, all 14 programs. I think they'll feel better about going through this than they did with what they were faced with the last couple of years. And look, the reality is that fans, players for sure – and the network partners want good games, good matchups, and uh, having more of these in December is better for everyone. Um, yes, they've got all these other, you know, potential tournaments, uh, ACC Big Ten Challenge, Gavit games, but for a lot of these schools that aren't at the top, you're not guaranteed that these games are going to be at home. So in this scenario. You at least have one game in December that you know for sure is going to be against an opponent that your fan base is going to be very excited to see because it's a conference team. So, uh, you know, I think for a lot of these schools that don't normally get those kind of matchups, this is going to be pretty big for them. You know, Andy, one thing that I have talked about, and I haven't written about it, and that's to my own detriment, it never really, I've, I've done some research on it each of the last two years. Um, and uh, blame nobody but me uh, for not getting the, the, the columns written. But uh, I've looked at the number of games played 
between high major out of conference opponents uh, on on neutral floors relative to home home floors. And it, and the neutral number is way too high. And I'm not even talking. I'm not even talking about um, games like uh, in Maui or whatever, or or uh, Battle for Atlantis or or any of those Paradise Jam. Those those are good and they exist and they and and you have great games that wouldn't exist if those things didn't happen. We have we have this proliferation of non-conference games played on neutral sites that aren't even always that well attended. And I, you know, I think that it, what we're seeing in that, in that trend toward those games, basically coaches not wanting to go on the road uh, because of the effect it might have on their ability to make the NCAA tournament. Uh, what we're seeing is a diminishment in the value of the season ticket holders product. And I think that's a problem for college basketball. Uh, generally, the Big Ten is was the first of the leagues to say we'll start to resolve that, not just for season ticket holder value, obviously. I'm not going to pretend. I mean, I work for Big Ten Network. I know some of it's about that and about Fox and about ESPN and CBS as well, uh, creating good product for them too. But the, the, the ancillary to that is that the season ticket holder at uh, Purdue or Northwestern or Michigan or wherever – gets another game that they can say that's a real game. You know, that's, that's one that I'm, I can get excited about. And, and I think that's, I think that's, there's a plus there. You know, everybody going to 20 now um, or, or the number of leagues that are going to 20, you, you hear a lot of complaints about what that does to the mid major, but not, not very much about what that does for the season ticket holder the value that provides the season ticket holder as part of his or her viewing experience. That's the element of the game that has been too much ignored in general because coaches control the schedules uh, and, and they're concerned about the NCAA tournament and rightfully so. And so they are worried about going on the road. And so they, 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 they involve themselves in some of these neutral double headers or, or one-off games that, like I said, aren't always all that well attended, but, uh, you know, in a lot of circumstances just wind up uh, being games that their season ticket holders would have loved to have seen. All right, Mike, a couple other things quickly here. Let's shift to our team of the decade on March Madness. Get your quick opinion here. And I, this is a fan vote. Uh, and uh, the fan bases are out in force. We're now almost completing our Elite Eight as we're discussing here on a Monday. Uh, in one matchup in the Elite Eight, we're going to have Duke taking on Purdue. And, you know, on the Duke team, you've got Zion Williamson, Grayson Allen, uh, Nolan Smith, Kyle Singler, um, and uh, uh, Jaleel, Jaleel Okafor. And then on the Purdue team, you know, Robbie Hummel still makes it. We've got Carson Edwards. we got Caleb Swanigan. Uh, I mean, on paper, you would take Duke, but what do you give the chance? Take this from a, a fan base perspective here. Uh, Purdue versus Duke. Which one do you think will advance to the Final Four? Well, you know, that's an interesting, you know, per, Purdue has a very passionate and vocal fan base, uh, including in my wife's uh, office, by the way. There's a lot of Purdue people that work with my wife. Uh, and uh, and it, it's a it's a, it's one of the great uh 
sort of secrets of college basketball. What a, what a wonderful experience it is to go to Mackey and see their student group, the paint crew, uh, which is which is always fun and entertaining and passionate. And I have never seen them profane or untoward. I've never seen anything there that I didn't think was like G-rated. Really a great group. And, you know, the Cameron Crazies are fun too. Uh, Duke obviously has the brand name nationally. I'll tell you, though, in this matchup, Swanigan, Hummel, Edwards, uh, I think Purdue could win that game. Oh, yeah. I, you know, especially now with the way Robbie's going in the three-on-three. If you played three-on-three, man, Robbie's got that one. All right, one other matchup I'm curious. In another lead Eight, another monster game, and an, and an interesting fan base situation here, we got Kentucky versus Carolina. Wow, that's, that's in the Elite Eight? Yes. Who seeded that? Me. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, Kentucky's fan base. Uh, now, keep in mind, fans. Tyler Hansborough, we started in 2010, so Tyler is not in this group. Right. But go ahead. So, yeah, so that I, – I, I think, you know, Anthony, the interesting thing about the, the this all-decade thing, and, and we're going through the same thing at Sporting News, picking all-decade team, picking an all-decade team for the nation. And in college basketball, it's really different than any other sport – you have guys like Zion and Anthony Davis who played one year, made an unbelievably enormous impact. Um, how do you measure that against the guys who played three or four? Mm-hmm. It's a difficult thing. So if you're looking at just putting those five on the floor, I, I think Kentucky's five are going to win. I mean, they got Anthony Davis. Uh, they've got uh, Julius Randle. Uh, you know, they've got a, a heck of a group of players. You, you got uh, Carl Towns. Uh, I don't think they're getting beat if, if if you actually played the game. Well, the five I put together was John Wall, Carl uh, Anthony Towns, Boogie Cousins, Anthony Davis, and I believe it was Devin Booker. Well, yeah, it's going to be hard for that team to guard anybody because you got three <laughs> six eleven guys there. But well, I you may not get the ball to the rim though. They, I was going to say I might play zone and 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 take my chances with them, but. That's a, the, the talent that's gone through Kentucky in that decade has been unbelievable. It's reflected in uh, in the results on the floor. Obviously, it's reflected in the the NBA careers they've had and the money they've made. Uh, and since it's you know it, it like I said, the, the interesting thing about it is you're just looking at guys, not necessarily impact over four years, but you're looking at the talent that's there. I, I think you'd probably favor uh, Carolina. I mean, excuse me, uh, Kentucky without a doubt. Uh, what about fan bases? Again, I, as I said, Kentucky's fan base is undefeated, man. And all yes. you have to do to figure that out is just tweet something negative about the Wildcats. <laughs> believe it or not, whether you believe it or not, you put it out there, they're going to come for you. So. I know. Uh, and lastly, and I will say this, I interviewed Grant Williams um, uh, on this topic because Tennessee had advanced. And he actually admitted to, he says, look, as much as I want the Vols to win this you know, fictitious competition. He says, I- "I'm going to go with Kentucky. Uh, I think that uh, that they will end up winning it." All right. So I don't want you to reveal, nor should you, what you're going to do. But just curious, your thought process as you debate who will be number one for the sporting news, uh, as you know, two of the top candidates likely uh, are Michigan State and Kansas. I've already put it out there. I'm going to go Michigan State one, Kansas two. Uh, I don't want you to reveal it. That's your deal on the sporting news. But how are you going to go about the thought process? You know, what's interesting, Andy, is that um, all of us do this now uh, because the public 
loves it. It put out the way too early top 25, the one that pops either right before the championship game or directly after. I mean, every site does it now. Uh, and it, and it, and people read it. And what's interesting about it is that I think from this year, we have seen a more dramatic change in the, in, in what's going to be the final preseason top 25 from that way too early one than any that we've ever done. Uh, because there's been so many dramatic changes, uh, players leaving that we didn't expect to leave, like Michigan uh, losing uh, Jordan Poole, uh, as well as John Beeline. Uh, can, uh, Memphis recruited, I think, two to three top 15 guys subsequent to that period. So, so much has changed. I, I think that, uh, I mean, I'm not going to give away any secrets by saying that it's going to be very difficult to knock Michigan state off that top line because they've recruited really well. They return almost everybody. They've got a legendary coach and now they've got a hunger because they know how close they came. I mean, there's a hunger that Virginia had a year ago because they got beaten in the first round uh, and embarrassed. And there's the hunger that comes with knowing you're good enough, but you let it off. you, You know, you let somebody off the hook and you didn't get it done. Michigan could Michigan State could very easily have won last year's national championship. They were right there. They didn't play well on the biggest stage, and they left earlier than they thought they should have. And that often drives that team. Carolina 09, and you brought up before uh, with Tyler Hansborough. I mean, there was no question after they got embarrassed by Kansas in 08 uh, that they were on a mission the next year, and they had all the guys in place they needed to have to do it. Uh, I, I'm not saying Michigan State is definitively our, our number one, but it's going to take uh, it's going to take a, a special belief in somebody else to knock them off that perch. Mike, as always, uh, love having conversations with you, regardless of platform. Just tell our listeners where can they find all your work. Well, you can find me on Twitter at TSN Mike, uh, and everything I do goes through there, uh, as well as uh, at SportingNews.com. Uh, you can go directly to our page and we, uh, you can find uh, all our college hoop stuff as well as NFL, soccer, uh, college football, a whole bunch of other stuff. College football this year, we've got a thing coming up. We're going to have a top 10 list on various college football subjects to celebrate the 150th anniversary of the sport, uh, starting off with the one I did and had a blast doing uh, that will appear uh, this week on the 10 greatest nicknames in college football history. There's so much fun putting that list together. All right, great. Uh, I will see you soon at uh, Big Ten Media Day uh, on October 2nd in Chicago. Yeah, much sooner than we all anticipated. Yes. It, it's, it's coming fast. I'm looking forward to it. All right, thanks, Mike. Thank you, Andy. All right, that'll wrap up this week's edition of March Madness 365 as we are getting closer and closer to Media Days. The first one will be October 2nd. That's going to be the Big Ten in Chicago. October 3rd will be the WCC in Las Vegas. I will be at both of those. I'm going to keep reiterating this. Then October 8th, the ACC. That'll be in Charlotte. October 10th, we're anticipating, we don't know this for sure yet, but we're anticipating the Big East will be in New York City on that day. And then a quick turnaround on October 14th. you got the American in Philadelphia. On October 16th, the SEC in Birmingham. October 23rd, the Big 12 in Kansas City. And October 24th, the Atlantic 10 in Brooklyn. I'll be at all of those media days. The only one I'm missing of the major ones 
It's the same day as the ACC. That's the Pac-12 out in San Francisco on October 8th, but we will cover that as well on March Madness. All right, so wherever you find your podcasts, you got to make sure you download March Madness 365. You share it. You listen to it. Of course, you can find it on all our social media handles at ncaa.com and March Madness. Uh, and my Twitter feed at the Andy Katz. Uh, also check out our Instagram for March Madness, our voting for the team of the decade. The outpouring of votes has been phenomenal over the last couple of weeks. Let's keep it going. As always, thanks for listening. Appreciate it. Thank you.